Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. Off to a flying start already. Uh, I'm looking kind of blue today. This thing is uh, light, kind of lighting me up very blue here, like fluorescent blue. It's pretty cool. It's not really that blue. It's very dark, and it's just meant to keep me warm. Good morning. Hope you're having a great morning wherever you are. It is, what the hell is it? It's Tuesday. <laughs> if you're working, uh, you know what day it is. You don't need me to tell you. It's Tuesday. November 23rd, 2021. Not a whole hell of a lot to talk about today. Um, sick of the news cycle. Sick of all uh, the back and forth about the nonsense of the day. Uh, and these things that the media, it, and I don't think it's a conspiracy, a media conspiracy, like a lot of people think. I don't, I don't think journalists are necessarily corrupt corrupt Uh, i'm a big defender of journalists and the art of journalism the craft of journalism whatever it is it's an art or a craft it's more of a craft i guess big defender of that individually i think some of the corporations that uh hire and um promote journalism are really corrupt in a lot of ways and they, they they are of course business and their primary uh Objective is money, not telling you the truth, which is why tomorrow, will it be tomorrow? Yes, it's tomorrow, Wednesday already. Michael Hilliard uh, will be with me, and he's an independent journalist, and I love talking to him because he gives me the straight dope always. And getting some color action here, some lighting adjustments. I'm looking very ugly because I have not shaved yet today. It's a morning thing, folks. I will go with that. Anyway, looking kind of blue today. I noticed Dave Chappelle is trending again. God, are people never going to get tired of talking about Dave Chappelle? I am tired of talking about the situation that got Chappelle talked about and got him trending in the first place probably two months ago now. And I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it and talking about it as well. The only thing I would add at this point is, you know, the quote that they attribute to Einstein about insanity. It's really not an Einstein quote, and it's really not about insanity. It's about doing the same thing over and over again, inspecting the same exact thing and expecting different results. Uh, that's not an Einstein quote, but it, it, and it's not about insanity. It's more about futility. But this is where you see the LGBTQ, those people. Uh, I say those people, and I don't say it dismissively because of uh, what they what they love, <laughs> who they are. I say it because they are a community with an agenda. 
an agenda towards Dave Chappelle, and it's clearly not well working. It's clearly making him a much bigger star than he already was, and he already was a very big star. So at some point, you have to realize the strategy you're employing is backfiring. It's it's creating, it's making the situation you're trying to fix worse. And this is evident by somebody shared some video the other night of Dave Chappelle uh, doing a show and the line of people outside to get into the show seemed like the Super Bowl. I've never seen so many people for a comedy show ever in my life. Remarkable. So clearly, the strategy is not working. It keeps getting bigger and bigger, and they keep trying the same things. Sooner or later, somebody has to figure out. We're not getting them canceled. All we're doing is making them bigger. Maybe we should. the strategy should be just to shut the fuck up and stop talking about them. If you're trying to cancel him, I'm not trying to cancel Dave Chappelle, and I'm not trying to cancel anybody. I don't, I don't even want to cancel people I vehemently disagree with, and there are a lot of those people. More and more every day now. Seems to me, uh, they're angry for every time they win something, and I'm talking about the people on the far right now because I don't want to call them conservatives. They're not conservatives. They Trump has changed uh, what conservative conservatism means. And I, I long for the old school conservatives, the Ronald Reagan conservatives, those people, uh, because this new brand is just... I can't even call them uh, right-wing, really. They're populist fascists in a lot of ways anyway they're angry every time they win something i've never seen so many so many people get angry angrier when they win than when they lose and and they get angry when they lose but they get even angrier when they win and just want i don't know what the fuck they want you know they keep talking about we've had enough of this we're not going to take anymore well what the fuck is it you're talking about what is so bad that you're not going to take anymore uh talking about vaccine mandates you don't want to do it don't do it i don't give a fuck and uh oh, oh the government's mandate no the government's not mandating everybody gets stuff people in certain businesses and whatever, if you don't want to do it, walk away. If, if people have done that, people have walked away from it. So is that is that the one thing that's got you pissed off? Is that the one thing you're really angry about? What is it exactly? And I would love to hear from the far right people. What is it exactly that you're pissed off about, um, and that you're not going to take any more of it? Uh, we have a comment in the comment section. Let me see who it is. Oh, good morning, Ken. Nice to see you again. Hope your uh, little uh, personal thing <laughs> worked out okay yesterday. Uh, good to see you again. We kind of missed you yesterday morning. I know I definitely did. <laughs> I, I can't speak for everybody. Uh, nothing has changed since the 2020 election. Well, something has changed since the 2020 election. Trump's not president anymore. <laughs> but other than that, no, I agree. Most things, uh, the anger, the... Um, the climate in the country, the the divisiveness has not changed since the 2020 election. I don't think it will. When something like that happens, 
you know, it's like it's like a marriage breakup. It's never going to be the same, and it takes a while to heal things. And I'm not sure we're even to the point where we want to heal things. My palm is itchy. Now, I'm, I know this means money, but I think it's if the right palm is itchy, money's going out. If the left palm is itchy, money's coming in. My right palm is itchy. So I must be owing some people some money, which is a damn shame because I thought I was on a roll yesterday <laughs> with money coming in. Uh sponsor finally paid a bill, which uh, was long overdue. It wasn't a big one, but it was money coming in. I got some more checks that I wasn't expecting. Uh, I thought I was on a roll with this uh, accounts payable situation where more money was going to be coming in. My right palm is itchy this morning. I think that means I'm going to be paying out. It is what it is. Money. I'm not going to live that long. That money makes a difference anyway. <clears throat> what? It, oh, Ken's got another comment here. Uh what is this? They might be forced to put the racism, racism back in their closet. I don't think they'll ever be uh, go back in the closet with that um, or feel like they have to. I've seen so many people so emboldened. And there's, there's two kinds. Of, there's people who are emboldened with their racism now and just coming out and not even afraid, you know, not even trying to hide it in any way. And then there are other people who are in complete denial about it. Um, they just don't, you know, white privilege doesn't exist. Um, you know, none of it, you know, Jordan Peterson, Peterson tried to come out and say, uh, that racism doesn't exist. It's just a construct that, uh, so you're talking about in the individual may, individuals may uh, discriminate based on race, but that doesn't mean racism exists. That means it's an individual thing. It's not a structural thing, which is just a way to try to not have to deal with it. So when on, on the issue of race, I don't think they're ever going to go back in the closet with that. The people who are out, people who are identifying, you know, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, they're going to go down fighting with the KKK. <laughs> They're going to go down fighting with, with their hardcore beliefs about uh, what it is. Now, I know that kid, I don't even want to fucking talk about his name anymore. But I know this is the funny thing. Uh, yesterday, he was on Fox News. And he said he actually supports Black Lives Matter. Now, uh, on Fox News, you take it with a grain of salt anyway. And we know he doesn't support Black Lives Matter. I know I know he does He was hanging out with the Proud Boys, given the white power symbol. So it's all bullshit anyway. But the fact that he can say that on Fox News, that would like, be like Trump coming out saying he was a Democrat. Like, and they don't turn on him. Like, I would expect the uh, right-wing people who've been making a hero out of that kid the minute he came out and said he he supports Black Lives Matter, because just saying the phrase Black Lives Matter will piss them off. I I came to that uh, realization about a week ago, and it's funny. I, you would I will say that not even in the context of anything political, but do Black Lives Matter? Do black do black people? And I I actually use the the phrase Black people matter, and it's important to call them people and. 
if that phrase makes them angry, uh, it's a good thing to see them admit or show their anger because then you know you know you're truly racist people. Anyway, I don't think they're going back in the closet, and I'm surprised they didn't abandon him when he said he's he supports Black Lives Matter because that they hate Black Lives Matter more than they hate Satan. <laughs> I don't know if they really hate Satan. I think they might worship him. Whatever. So not a lot to talk about today. Uh, what's trending up besides Dave Chappelle, I see, and I'm not sure why, is UFOs. Now, I know there's been a lot of stuff going on with uh, UFOs lately, but uh, why exactly it's trending today and what, what happened? I've been trying to figure that out. I mean, it, from what I can tell, it's just more people with claims of abductions and more and more people in government saying that UFOs may be real. We know UFOs are real. Unidentified flying objects are absolutely real. We've seen things that are unidentified. What do they mean by real? When they say real, might be real, do they mean might be from another planet? I find that I still find that highly uh questionable highly i'm very skeptic skeptical of that whole uh claim that it might be a, a craft i just don't see it as plausible in any way to to and and obviously i'm thinking in an earthly physics terms uh of how you would get and why you would get a manned or a manned, a, a piloted craft to come here. I mean, we know that when we, we're we exploring outer reaches farther than our, our current uh, ability to send people, we are sending drones and we're sending, um, what do they call probes, <laughs> I guess you call the things that go into the far reaches with cameras and, and communications equipment, but have no people on board whatsoever. And they just keep, keep on going. You know, you know about those things. That's what we do. And I can't imagine that I, if there is intelligent life out there exploring the universe and wanting to know more about us, that they wouldn't do the same thing. Why? Uh, I don't know. So what what does real mean when we talk about UFOs might be real? That's just like such lazy, weak language uh, to try to describe what's really going on. They might be real. Yeah, we know they're real. People have seen them. I've seen them. Um, doesn't mean that they're necessarily alien. I My first guess and my first uh, position would be, would be uh, military earthly military that our government, Chinese government, Russian government, people who have powerful technology in their militaries don't want you to know about and don't don't want to share the kind of uh, information about what's going on. So um, that's that. So Thanksgiving week, as I mentioned, uh, tomorrow at this time, uh, tomorrow at this time, around this time, I'll have Michael Hilliard uh, calling in. Michael is an independent uh, journalist out of Australia, but has worked here in the U.S. and Canada and the U.K. Uh, really, really on the ball guy. He's uh, 
uncanny with his um, predictions of, uh, in the short term about what we can look for in the news and his coverage of events that the media doesn't even talk about, world events, world news. The, the mainstream media doesn't talk about it all. Important issues happening around the world that affect us all that don't get any coverage. It's like the stuff that's going on in Yemen. Do you know what's going on in Yemen? Tomorrow we'll be talking about Ethiopia, which is close to Yemen, and um, similar similar things are going on there, and why we don't know about it, and how it might affect us, uh, the questions I will be having for Michael. So I, I urge you to tune in tomorrow. It should be an interesting morning show. Not a typical thing. As, uh, it's gen- generally uh, interviews are saved for the Mind Dog TV podcast, um, but Michael's in Australia. I like to make uh, special arrangements time-wise for him to call in, and I'm always interested in talking to him. And it's a way to kill a couple of hours. <laughs> or I'll talk to him for probably about an hour and then let him go tomorrow morning. So that should be interesting. should be fun. Anyway, uh, I hope you will tune in. And I'd love to uh, know, do you, do you know anything about Ethiopia? Do you know anything about what's going on over there and why you should give a shit? And why, why does it even matter? Um, Civil War is what's happening. I just kind of spoil, be a spoiler there. There is a civil war going on, but what does it mean? Who's actually fighting? What are the what are the two sides in a civil war? But it might have some lessons for uh, what we're say, about to face in the United States because I do think I don't know. Is there such a thing called? A cold civil war. <laughs> I know we, we've we had the Cold War uh, between the United States and communist uh, Soviet Union. What was considered the Cold War, uh, without firing a shot at each other, we were enemies. I think we're reaching that point in domestic politics where we're at at the place we could call it a Cold War. Uh, yeah, it's maybe a little provocative. I don't know. Last night, I have finished this uh, song I've been working on that has uh, tortured me so. Uh, finished by me by finishing, I mean that I have uh, <laughs> put all the final tracks on it. Uh, I haven't mixed it yet, but uh, <clears throat> and I got to give my ears a couple of days off now to to kind of get away from it before I I turn to mixing it. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, <laughs> senior moment there. Forgot about. It. So I, I'm uh, going to be doing a video for it and preparing a video for it. So last night I was looking around on my hard drives for elements uh, that I could use in this video, and finding some really strange pictures in there. And I had to share some of them um, with my social media stuff. And uh, some of them are not that strange. Some of them are really funny. But there was one. When we put out the song Love Song, uh, which is just a silly, stupid song, the last clip shows Mikey. I I photoshopped Mikey's head onto the Burt Reynolds Cosmo centerfold <laughs> where he's naked on the, a bearskin rug. Um, obviously, you don't see a cock. <laughs> It was it was the seventies. I, I they weren't ready to show cock in in mainstream magazines. So no, we don't show his cock. But uh, I 
I photoshopped Mikey's head onto uh, the Burt Reynolds spread on the last um, frame of that video. And we put the video out, and uh, that frame came up as the thumbnail. (laughs) And uh, some woman, some Christian woman, uh, started commenting on that we were Satanists. Called Mikey. I think she would call him Mikey Satanist, but or she might have been uh, using mine, me as the uh, the target. If she was saying something uh, to along the lines that uh, the guy uses mind magic to fool people for the devil, <laughs> just from this video. And the video is just silly. I mean, and I'm going to play the video right now. I think I think that's the thing to do. Play the video and uh, stop talking for a minute. Have a sip of coffee. Uh, enjoy this video. It's I think you'll find it funny if you haven't seen it before. It's called Love Song. Uh, ain't, this ain't no love song. Uh, give me a minute here while my machine messes with me a little bit. Love Song. Here you go. It's called Love Song. By the
Ah, so there you have it. That's the uh, Satanist, um, <laughs> the Satanist video we put out there. I guess um, I threw that hat out. That was my cowboy hat. He was fucking. Uh, I did not ever wear that hat again. Uh, he was <laughs> putting it on his cock. <laughs> the, the Japanese cock rock gets me every time, though. I mean, there's actually a rock that looks like a cock. Speaking of uh, back of the truck. Saturday night, Mikey's got me uh, playing on the back of a truck in a holiday parade. It's going to be about maybe 35 degrees out here Saturday night. Driving on the back of a truck through a town uh, in Long Island, South Shore of Long Island, Saturday night for two and a half hours, uh, basically playing two or three songs over and over again. I had to learn them in Spanish because they... (laughs) A uh, a very Spanish, uh, Hispanic um, area where a lot of uh, Hispanic people are going to be. So we have to learn the song both in English and Spanish. Now, Christmas carols, I hate that stuff anyway. I mean, there's, I, I don't know. Do you have a favorite Christmas carol song, holiday music? Uh, I, it's hard to find a good one. It's really, I think, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas is a fine, uh, melody. Uh, I like the song, you know, if it wasn't what it is, uh, Chrissy Hine does a great version of that best. I mean, I'm trying to think of tolerable Christmas songs. You got any, put them in the chat room. Let me know. We get a chat room, get a ton of email from people. Uh, people are enjoying the morning show, I guess, but they're not on the morning show. They're watching it post, which is kind of silly. It, it, it kind of uh, negates the whole purpose of, of what we're doing here. I mean, I wanted to have a kind of um, an interactive experience for people where we had a lot of people, you know, commenting or calling in and all that kind of stuff. Um but people are watching it afterwards. I guess they're getting up later. We have a lot of, or some people watching them at work, I guess. Um, if you want to join the live stream ever, be part of our Patreon page. Uh, and you can uh, you can join the live stream, any one of these shows. And you also get, hello, Jake Jolly. Good to, good to see you this morning. You're, you're, you work this early? Uh, good for you. <laughs> no wonder you're so full of energy. You're a morning person. Not me. I'm still I'm not uh, used to this whole thing. I'm not turned around. I'm still up till 4 o'clock in the morning anyway working on stuff. I was working on that song last night, that song that's got me obsessed. I've never put this much work into a production in my life. Even when I was working for other people doing productions and you know back in the day when we had a producer uh overseeing uh, our work for a record company never had to do never worked as hard or as meticulously on, on the song on a song as the one i'm about to release probably this weekend but as i mentioned uh, saturday night i'll be playing on the back of a truck in patrock new york driving around playing Christmas music, three or four songs, because as you're traveling along, people haven't heard the first one again, so we didn't have to have a long set, but it's going to be cold out. My hands are going to be freezing. Uh, 
Ken Harris says the waitress uh, Christmas wrapping gets my vote. I got to hear that waitresses. I know the, the waitresses. I don't know that song. Let's see if we can find it. The waitresses. Uh, let me see. Can I copy and paste this? No, I can't. Of course I can't copy and paste this. So I have to do a friggin' search. Ah, life is rough when you got to do stuff. You know I can't type anyway. I'm a one-finger typist. Yes, make fun of me. Go ahead, waitresses. Christmas wrapping. I'm going to have to check this out. I know I'm probably going to get a uh, citation from YouTube if I play it. Oh, look at this. Sorry about the uh, radio silence here for a second while I try to type. Oh, there it is. comes right up, doesn't it? With lyrics now. Uh, so let's see here. If we're going to share this, we have to do... I should do this in a tab. No, we can do it in a tab like this, right? We go share screen, Chrome tab... Let's see here. Oh, wait. One more time. Pull it out. <laughs> Pull it out. I want to make sure I, I included the audio for it. So let's uh, remove and stop screen. One more time. Make sure we do this right. Yeah, okay, it's automatically checked. That's good. That's good. StreamYard, you've done a good thing here. You've done a good thing. All right, let's play this and see what happens. I'm not hearing him. We don't want to hear him. Fucking <laughs> song now. Looks like it was recorded on VHS. <laughs> or produced on VHS. That's the part I remember. That's the hook line, Ned. (laughs) 
what the hell is going on with this video, man? all i gotta say is just wow all right let's talk about this no get out of my face you stupid advertisement do you know you can make more money selling on walmart than on amazon you can't make money selling on either she's trying to sell you a course where she teaches you how to do affiliate marketing that you will never make a penny at. Uh, so that video, the waitresses, first of all, um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And I do agree that as Christmas songs go, that's not too bad. But it, I think what I like most about it is I could never tell that was even a Christmas song. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know what the, I can't, it's hard to pay attention to the lyrics on that. I Just like the 80s beat, the bass line had me, bass line is the most impressive thing about that song. About the video, they cheaped out big time using pretty much. I know what girls want. I know what guy. I know what guys want. Whatever I know. It. Uh, that one they're using all that video clips over and over again. I guess they couldn't do a, a fresh production and just said, you know, I just they did a song, just chop that up and use that. Um, the guy doing the programming behind the wall there seemed to be a familiar. Uh, uh, that was state of the art in 1980. Really? 
I don't know. I don't know. Was that stated? I think there were people doing far better productions than that. What strikes me is um, it has an 80s sensibility in uh, how can I say this without get, getting the ladies really angry at me? That's sometimes homely. The 80s had this vibe where homely could be sexy. That girl wasn't pretty at all. But she came off as kind of seductress. <laughs> being a homely girl, I, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being plain Jane. Listen, I was never a good-looking guy. <laughs> I'm not, I never will be a good-looking guy. So I'm not trying to be judgmental here. I'm just trying to comment on... Uh, they also did the theme to Square Pegs. I don't know. I don't know that. Ken, you are so much more cultured than I am. Uh, maybe it's because you're younger and the 80s was was your time because I'm a 70s guy. And by the time 80s came along, I was not paying. Uh, 81 was that, that song in 1981, really? Wow. I would have thought it was um, later than that. <laughs> Ken says he watched a lot of TV in the 80s. I didn't watch any TV uh, in the 80s. Can't remember. What even was, was uh, I was, you know, I watched a lot of late night television in the 80s. I, I think in 1981, I was still watching uh, somebody I admire, past now, So, but somebody I, I admire when people, or I, greatly appreciate when people compare what i do to what he did and i'm talking about tom snyder uh, he was still i believe in 81 was when he to kind of uh make him share the show with rona barrett and that was when he was about done with that stuff uh but before that the 70s and stuff tom snyder was he did a lot of interviews like i do on the podcast where you would take people who were used to short-term uh eight-minute 10 minute pieces on the tonight show or whatever and do an hour long in-depth interview with them. You had Johnny Rotten on very memorable one, John Lennon. Uh, I remember John Mellencamp when he first changed his name from Cougar to Mellencamp being on there and doing some insightful uh, stuff. But other than that, and then Letterman came along and I was a huge fan of Letterman's uh, early on in the beginning days of the 80s but other than that in the 80s i didn't watch much television at all was familiar with the waitresses i thought they were a one-hit wonder that i like i know what girls want i do remember that the hook uh that guy didn't seem to be playing that or didn't have a clue how to play it right <laughs> that's actually play it. i know a lot of people fake stuff when they're lip-syncing stuff but he didn't do a very good job of faking it baseline in that song is pretty killer and i Wondering if that was studio musicians. I don't think it would be, though, to have all those people jumping around and acting silly like that. But really a trippy little uh, time machine back back to the 80s to see that thing, though. But again, uh, the thing that strikes me is about how that girl could come off as kind of like with a sexy vibe, you know, this whole idea. Again, uh, sorry, ladies, if this offends you, but in the 80s, I think um, unattractive was somehow in, <laughs> sexy in some way. And it's the fact that, uh, you know, they built a whole band around her waitressy look. I don't know. 
would that kind of act even make it make it today? I don't think so. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Ah, that's good coffee. What do we got today? Who's drinking coffee with me? Um, I know I know Jake's got his coffee. Uh good morning, Chad. I, I didn't even say good morning to you. I saw you in the in the chat room and I, I failed to recognize you. Well, good morning. Thanks for thanks for being here. Um eighties video. I'm thinking about uh the still. I'm pulling out my microphones too often lately. That's not good. I right out of the interface. Uh, I was involved in some video production in the 80s. It was much different. We were doing a lot of A-B roll uh, back in the early 80s, doing that kind of stuff. It wasn't nonlinear until, I believe, like 1988, 89, we got our first rendition of Premiere, our first um, version of Premiere, which was an editing, editing program. But didn't have a great capture card, so the video was really small, and wasn't it wasn't even VHS quality as digital video. So nonlinear. I don't think I really got full fledged into nonlinear video editing on a computer until. Uh, <laughs> I see a man who looks like a supervillain. I'm sold already. I I think that means me. <laughs> Are you kidding me, supervillain? Because I'm wearing blue. <laughs> or or is it the bald head and the funny glasses? I don't know. But thank you. I, I, I wish I could be a super villain. As it turns out, I'm pretty much a lame villain. Not a very good villain. Not villainy enough. Uh, I went to villain school, but I failed out. Uh, but I do appreciate the uh, feedback there. Uh, the 80s were more about clothes and hair. Big hair, big hair, morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big hair was was definitely in, and I'm still a fan. You know, I follow that Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles. She was one of those big hair people. Uh, now she kind of very housewifey, <laughs> very housewifey one. But she was, uh, I think, everybody's uh, cutie favorite uh, MTV uh, front person for a female band in those days. I'm trying to say, oh, there was the Go Go's also, but Melinda Carlisle was. Uh, had an attractiveness to her, I guess, but Susanna Hoffs was 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 the hot one for me in the eighties. Trying to think of other, uh, you know, they had what, what was that? Um, missing persons. I I can't remember Terry Bozio's wife, right? Or was it Gail or Dale, something like that? Um, and I'm trying to remember what their their hit song was. It was pr- something pretty stupid, which Terry Bozzi was, uh, you know, a really fine musician. Uh, he was the drummer in that band, Missing Persons, and um, played with Frank Zappa for a while. I mean, he was a, he was a guy who could put, if you could make it in Frank Zappa's band, you were a top notch for professional. And so he he did. But oh, there's. Their big hit, their one-hit wonder, Missing Persons, was a pretty stupid song, and I can't remember what it was. If anybody can snap me out of my Alzheimer's senior moment here and remind remind me of what uh, what are words for? I did it on my own. What are words for when no one listens anymore? Uh, but she was not that. She was not pretty, but people thought of her as sexy. Eighties were all like that, and I I think it had a lot to do with uh 
this is just theorizing off, off, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, theorizing about what happened sociologically in the 80s. And I think it had a lot to do with the delivery of home video and the um, porn industry. <laughs> the And I'm talking about the sexualizing of a very plain Jane, where uh, in music videos, you saw very plain girls, and they that girl in the waitresses, they didn't do anything to try to make her look attractive. I mean, she was just being her normal destination unknown was one of the, uh, I'm sorry, I, I get distracted and want to comment back to the chat room. Uh, Chad says, destination unknown was better than uh, words. I'm not sure of destination unknown. I'm going to have to look that one up and let's let's play it. Uh, go back to YouTube here. I uh, have to know about that. At least let's get a little flavor of it so I can know what the song is. I don't remember that one. I know they had more. They weren't a one-hit wonder, per se. They had more than uh, one song, Missing Persons. But what surprised me was that, uh, you know, Harry Bozio kind of kind of sold out in, a lot, in some ways uh i mean from from a musician's standpoint that, that he went for the bucks he went for the uh pop hits rather than the because you know jazz doesn't pay the pay for the bill doesn't pay the bills doesn't put food on the table all that kind of uh mentality so let's see i found that destination unknown let's see if we can play it here we'll go here got the audio in we'll just get a little taste of this we definitely ah, more ads. I gotta get internet when you need it most with Home Wi-Fi from Verizon Fios. We'll play now. Get our best offer ever: twelve months of Disney Plus and AMC so Plus getting, on us, and a Google Nest Hub Max when you upgrade. I don't Only like this. from Verizon. Getting a free extra ride on their advertising. I. Okay. Okay, I remember this song. I don't think I associated with them. Now this had to be a little bit later, right? This is not 81. This is Oh, good morning, Carl. Carl Mann from across the pond. Good morning. Well, it's not morning for you, is it? All right, when does the song start? Eighty-six. Wow. All right, I think I've had about enough of this. I get the tune. I remember it. Um, stop screen. I remember it. Um, was it better than words? Probably. I don't think words was a great tune anyway. Not a high standard there. But then again, he, that's what I mean. Why I think a lot of people look at. Uh, Terry Bozio is selling out because he was doing some really quality music and then that crap 
I mean, that is really just going for commercial, trying to get on the radio, trying to make a buck. And I, I can't blame a guy for trying to make a buck. But there it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of um, quality musicianship in, involved in that. And so, well, maybe I guess he paid his dues and had his respect by that time anyway. It's afternoon. It's almost time to go cow tipping. There's no cows where you are. Are there, Carl? Carl, if people, uh, people who don't know, Carl has his own. He has uh, about 40 podcasts he does. In <laughs> no, uh, I don't know how many. I think he's got two or three podcasts. If you want to tell people about that call you can free to i'll give you a plug here i know he's got the uh, non-epstein podcast that he does sometimes with uh, the fabulous jamie dykes he's also got one that's uh more ufo and aliens uh paranormal centric and you're a perfect person to ask about this this morning call because i saw oh my voice is cracking i saw i saw on Twitter, UFOs were trending this morning again and have no idea why. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, just about every day somebody in some government comes out and says, yeah, UFOs are might be real. Uh, other than that, I have no idea why they might be trending. And I, I, I'm assuming that you might have a better handle on that than I do. So if you want to educate me on that. Uh, phone line is open, 1-631-496-6464 if you want to call in. Uh, always uh, happy to hear from people if you would like to call in. I'm having coffee. Carl's probably uh, ready for some whiskey, right? Uh, having his first beer of the day. I don't even know. Uh, I know you're you're uh, over there, so you have to drink in the afternoon, right? You're not a teetotaler. The new U.S government office being set up as part of a defense bill really how come i don't know about this you're not even american you know about this stuff i don't know about this stuff there's a new u.s uh government office being set up as part of the defense bill uh i'm gonna have to look into that i'm gonna have to google that but after the show it's not it's not for now but i'm curious about that what the hell i know we have space force i you know trump established space force i don't know what's up with that uh is it doing anything? Has anybody been recruited? Who's in Space Force? Have you have you met anybody who's in Space Force? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, you know, it seems that we've reached a place in American society that every time we change an administration, and this is kind of new uh, over the last few administrations, that when when we change a president, he tries to undo previous presidents have done so i'm not sure if um biden or will try to uh take back space force can you do that like set up a, a branch of the military and then just undo it i don't think it's that easy but i don't know anybody who's actually been recruited to space force though so if i were a young man i might be interested in that um i'm not a young man and i'm not going to space in this lifetime Probably immediately after this lifetime, I'm going to space somewhere, and it's probably going to be cold as hell. Might even be hell. Anyway, uh, so uh, Ken says, "Expo Space Force is necessary due to the threat satellites from China." Yeah, I agree with that. Space Force is uh, we we do need military uh, involvement in outer space stuff. I don't think we need a special branch for it. I thought the Air Force 
was handling that. Uh, Air Force and Navy were handling that stuff pretty well. Um, not sure why we need a specialized branch just for that, but you know, whatever. We spend so much on fucking military stuff anyway, and that's the thing that really, you know, never gets questioned. For the people who are the spending hawks, like, well, the deficit, and oh, they never question the trillions of dollars that we spend on, on military stuff every year. And my my take on that is we, we are really, we haven't learned our lessons about military. We spend a lot of money uh, on technology and weapons and all these latest systems and this gigantic military uh with a lot of people in it that cost you know every single person in uh the military even though they're not highly paid they cost a lot of money they cost because we have the room and board is paid their health insurance all that stuff every single person in our military costs money um and we don't need them sorry to say we don't need the people we have the technology. We, you know, almost everything, all every weapon system, everything we can need can be automated, done by a push button from a, a bunker in a, some mountain in Colorado. Almost everything can be developed in that way. So that we don't really need. And the last four. Four wars, four war things. We, you know, the people on the ground were pretty much wasted. I, I'm sorry to say that. I mean, it's, it's, it hurts, especially it hurts me because I lost a lot of friends in Vietnam. I lost friends in in the original Gulf War. Um, we didn't need to put people on the ground there. And in Vietnam, we we found out quickly that no matter how many people we put there, we weren't going to win that war. And we bombed the hell out of them, and, and uh, you know it was unwinnable. You can't win those kinds of things where you're trying to convince people to adopt your philosophy by you know bombing them. But what we learned, we did fail to learn from nine eleven. Listen, we spent ten trillion dollars on on military, and we were brought to our knees with uh, nineteen cavemen f- with box cutter knives. $10 trillion, and we couldn't figure out a way to stop 19 cavemen with, uh, if you buy the government story, which is a whole other. <clears throat> Listen, people know I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. A conspiracy theorist is somebody who says, I know what happened. I'm a guy who says, I don't know what happened. I have no fucking clue whether they're telling me the truth or not. Uh, some parts of the story don't feel like they add up. To say that is not to be a conspiracy theorist. That's to say it, your story doesn't seem to jive. Uh, but I'm not one of these guys who will uh, say, well, it was um, contrived CIA, put it together. It was an inside job, Cheney and Bush, uh, you know, stole the money from, from the trade, <laughs> from the World Trade Center. I don't know any of that stuff. All those uh, conspiracy theories that people put out there about 9-11 uh, are all possible i guess but you know just as uh, full of holes as the official government story we'll never know the truth about that shit just as we'll never know the truth about jfk which was kind of uh the subject of uh yesterday's uh uh what is this uh setting 
what is this? Setting fire to <laughs> setting fire to Middle Eastern weddings took a few tax dollars. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is what it is. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ken saying Joe Rogan knows. Uh, I don't know what Joe Rogan knows, but um, <laughs> he seems to be. You know, somebody was arguing uh, about Joe Rogan that he is actually because he said at one point that he was a Bernie supporter. So people are saying that Joe Rogan yeah, is not really a far right wing guy. I think something happened between the time that he was a Bernie supporter, which I'm I've never, you know, I don't love Bernie. I don't I'm not for the record here and for the nine billionth time, I I'm not a cheerleader for either party don't like the democrats don't like the republicans and i'm not a leftist or or a rightist i don't know if rightist has ever been said before i think i'm the first guy who said rightist i'm not a right-wing guy i'm not a left-wing guy try to take every issue right down the middle but it appears to me as a uh, an objective observer that it's hard to argue that joe rogan has not been indoctrinated to the far right uh cause and beyond the political far right to the uh, conspiratorial, I know he's always a conspiracy guy, but conspiratorial side of the right wing politics, the Alex Jones wings of it, I think he's been, his friendship with Alex Jones has really melted his mind. And now, I mean, Alex Jones had a lot of influence on his own, but now that he's got Rogan, uh, that's where it becomes dangerous. You got both of these guys putting this shit out there for people who, who don't have critical thinking skills. And unlike me, they're not. Hey, I'm holding them to my standard, holding Rogan and Alex Jones to my standard. Imagine that. Um, they're not questioning things. They're not saying your story doesn't add up. They're supplying what they think is how the story really goes and the narrative their own narrative which is kind of dangerous stupid and without any without any real hands-on um knowledge of the evidence that that they're talking about so they they're making conjectures and diagnosing diagnosing the patient without ever examining the patient they're coming up with the answer and the solution based on whims and uh, and oh this could be you know they they have a an idea and they think whoa it could be on the subject of sides i talked about this a little yesterday but i see we have a friend here who said hello this morning and i want to say hello back um a friend of mine the other day was feeling pressured by a social media friend to be endorsing his side of politics because he had introduced her to some comedians or something. Fucking bizarre the way people think. You owe me to back my side in the pol- in, in my political views because I turned you on to such and such comedian at one point in my life. Bizarre, but you know that's not an uncommon thing in the world we live in now. People expect, and people will, when they find out that you're not completely aligned with them, 
in lockstep on their political stuff they will drop you and like we've been good friends for a while but i just found out that you're a trumper so i gotta leave you or i just found out you're not a trumper and i gotta i gotta leave you here it's like all that you know my friends i have and i have a lot of trump supporter friends and who know that i'm not a trump supporter but i've maintained good relationships with all my trump supporter friends despite our tremendous differences tremendous uh, separation in the uh uh chad is making a comment here i want to i want to address this a little bit. congress and lobbyists don't work the same way work, or, or work the same way don't they uh what do you mean by that um um kind of if you could elaborate on that work the same way as what taking money to <laughs> um basically um I don't know, uh, advance an agenda of people. You know, I think money in politics is is one of the biggest issues that nobody will ever address uh, because, let's face it, that with the people in charge of making the laws about who can take money and who can get money and all that stuff, other people getting the money. So you're never going to cut off your own nose to spite your face. Oh, yeah, we we need um campaign finance reform yeah we certainly do i would love to see it yeah trading favors absolutely trading favors yeah that's what it's all about but it's more than just trading favors i think sometimes they need to try to put up appearances that they're serving their constituents so they can get reelected because that's the most important thing for them i mean they're from the day they're elected they're worrying about getting reelected and holding on to that position. So they want to put up appearances that they're serving their constituents, even though they may not really even be interested in or think they can, what their constituents wants is the real thing. Uh, but it's always about those deals where um, what, what in order to get something done, I need to wash the back of somebody who's got some ma uh, money and influence. And I have probably going to have to vote on a bill. The, a different way than I would without that influence, just to uh, placate the people I need their power and influence with. Yes, yes, trading favors is a good way to say it, but it's more uh, trading money and favors and all that stuff. I would love to see where um, candidates could not take a penny from anybody. You have to completely self-finance. And in today's day and age, let's let's be honest here. In in elections in the United States of America, do we need candidates coming to your hometown to do a rally? Does that and let's say Trump I'll use Trump because he was a big rally guy. He comes to your town and, and uh puts on a show, a dog and pony show, and you pay tickets to go see them and all that stuff, and all this money is raised. Does that change your vote in any way? You were going to vote for him anyway before you went to the show. You knew that. That's why you went to the show. So that flying around the country, that's not a necessary thing. That, that's not changing anybody's vote. That's not informing, certainly not informing people about what the real issues are. It's all about hyperbole and making speeches and rubbing them up. But they're going to vote anyway. These are people who are going to vote for you anyway. So that whole part of... Uh, the campaign that money's not needed television commercials are not needed 
and I'll put this out there for anybody, even, you know, people not in America, <laughs> Carl, if you're still with us, uh, as a television commercial or radio commercial for a candidate ever convinced you to change your vote. I would say if everybody's being honest, the answer is going to be no. Nobody ever changed their vote because they, oh, well, uh, I saw it on a commercial and I'm going to all of a sudden swip, switch from Democrat to Republican or Republican to Democrat. Insane. Nobody ever did that in the history of television, in the history of radio. Uh, another thing that pet peeve of mine is lawn signs. Lawn signs. You know how much they spend on printing lawn signs, putting signs out there on people put on their lawn and on the side of the parkways and side of the highways. Has anybody ever looked at a sign on a lawn and said, oh, it says Biden. I got to vote for Biden because the guy's got a sign on his lawn. How many millions of dollars are spent on that shit? And for some reason, they feel it's necessary. You have to keep doing that. You could launch it. The voice is, is going up to that high, high cracky stuff again. I know uh, the morning is wearing off my voice when I lose the deepness and get the... Ah! <laughs> Sorry about the squeaking. Need more coffee. Um, you could launch in a, a, and conduct a very effective, informative campaign just like this. And this is what I'm going to put forward, put forth, and um, I know nothing is going to happen with it, but it's just a fantasy of mine. I want to, I want to uh, moderate the next presidential debates on this this format. Uh, and basically, this is the way I would do it. I have two candidates in the streamyard stuff, like I do Mind Dog TV podcast when I'm doing an interview side by side. And uh, questions would not come from a talking head news person. Questions would come from you people, the people in the chat room, the people in America, in met by email and all that kind of stuff. And all I would do is read the questions, mute the guy who the question isn't for. So if, if this question isn't for you, your mic is muted for the next two minutes. Uh, guy on the right, talk. Now, you've got two minutes to talk. When you're done, I'm going to mute your microphone and give it to the guy on the left. There'll be no flying insults, no back and forth between you guys. Just straight questions from the American people, not some talking fucking uh, news commentator who, let's face it, if it's on Fox, they're going to have a right-wing uh, agenda. If it's on CNN or MSNBC, they're going to have a, a left-wing agenda. So the people asking the questions have an agenda. You're never going to get a fair moderator. With me, if you let me moderate the next presidential de debate, I promise it will be as fair as possible because, uh, first of all, I won't be asking the questions. I do have questions of my own. Of course, I would love them answered. But I would put it over to the American people uh, and uh, I would mute the guy who wasn't talk or guy or gal <laughs> who whose turn it wasn't. It's not your turn to talk now. Get muted. None of this, you know, uh, nonsense of childishness and and ask some really substantial substantive questions where uh, you're getting some real information about what they would do in certain situations and how and their ideas on policies and all that stuff without any of the bullshit, without any of the talking points, all that stuff straight up. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? But it'll never fly. They would never go for that for a lot of reasons. Uh, 
no, yeah, no criticizing the other party. Answer what you will do. Absolutely. That's what, thank you, Carl. <laughs> uh, that's exactly the way I would do it. But of course, that won't fly. That won't fly. The politicians won't have it they, because it's all about cult of personality now, which is odd to say because the current president has no personality at all. <laughs> Unless you, uh, I guess I shouldn't say he had no personality at all. He's got a weird personality, you know, touchy-feely, uh, saying inappropriate things, uh, and no, no sense of self-awareness in the moment. Yeah, I, I know people on the left now, why are you bashing Joe Biden? Joe Biden, uh, he's a career politician. I don't have a lot of respect for anybody who's a career politician. Uh, the politicians I I generally um, think have the right motivation and my, right sensibilities are the new people. But once they get into the system, they get corrupted pretty quickly. So anybody who's been in it 40 years, I can't appreciate that. Now, they say, well, uh, if that's the way, if you're, why aren't you a Trumper? He got into it pretty late. No, nah, he didn't. He's been in politics his whole life. He just hasn't been the, the candidate that much. Although he did run for president in 2000. People don't remember this. He ran uh, uh, He ran on the same kind of independent uh, thing that Jesse Ventura ran on in 2000. Uh, that kind of platform. Didn't get very far and quit. So, but I would... You know, I like the people who fresh blood, and I, I've heard the arguments about uh, against uh, term limits uh, because people feel like a freshman congressman or a freshman senator isn't familiar enough with the system to get things done. So I'm not saying one term, but certainly forty years uh, is. Uh, I don't know about that, Ken. Ken uh, I'm sorry. I am like in the middle of a thought. So 40, uh, 40 years in, in, in politics in one position is way too much. And people will career politicians. Uh, Ken says it won't bring ratings. I don't know about that. I think are you telling me if I had, well, let's go back a bit because I think this would be a rating threat. If I had Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in a moderation uh, chat, a, a debate, a serious debate uh, in the way that I described where I had the power to mute one of them while the other is speaking and the questions came from uh, America. You don't think that America would tune in for something like that? I do. I think just because uh, how unpopular both of those candidates were to the other side. Both of them had had the highest negative uh, ratings ever in a politics, uh, political uh, campaign. Having a lot of senior moments where simple words just are out there and I can't grab them. <laughs> uh, so, no, I think it would get, it, people would watch. Uh, yeah, I think do, people do want the Jerry Springer show uh, circus to some extent. They want to watch the train wreck. They, they, those are the things that are going to be talked about the next day. Uh, called who an idiot and all that stuff. But I think they would watch. I, I, and especially if it was, if every debate was like that, and you can only get your your fix of cultism from from that, and not from 
you know, obviously if I were doing that on a Wednesday night and then Thursday night, Fox News had to debate uh, in the traditional way where it is the circus you're talking about. People aren't going to watch me and they're going to go to Fox News the next night. There's no question about that. But if it was the only way that we could get direct access uh, to candidates and hear from their own mouths, damn right people would tune in they would definitely want to see that and the fact that we're letting them ask the questions now if i let you ken harris ask the question you're going to be much more inclined to say wow i'm interested in that than having megan kelly ask the questions or you know rachel maddow ask the question i don't think that would ever happen (laughs) I don't think that would ever happen. I can't imagine uh, a right winger ever agreeing to have Rachel Maddow asking the questions in a debate. You never know, though. I could be wrong about that. Good morning, Craig Johnson. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hope things are beautiful where uh, you are in the uh, great Sunbelt Southwest. I posted a picture last night, Craig. I don't know if you saw I tweeted it. I found because I was looking for Going through hard drives, looking for elements to include in the music video I'm putting together. Found a picture my boy Davey sent me uh, last summer as he was driving through Portales, New Mexico. Davey is a protege of mine. Uh, he was a film student, came to work for me about 15 years ago and uh, learned editing, video production, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I... <laughs> told him many stories about Portales and my life and and the uh, Key West experience and so he w- he spent a summer kind of visiting the places I had told him about while we were working together and he went to Portales on his way to LA he had to stop in Portales to uh, find out what it was all about and uh, oh <laughs> Craig has a great suggestion there <laughs> Have Andy Anderson, Nick DiPaolo ask questions. Uh, they are, I, uh, I don't know. I know Andy has his uh, very uh, strong opinions about it. I don't think, um, uh, well, well, we'd see. I mean, uh, would, would he be serious enough to ask the serious questions or would he just be trying to find both? <laughs> Nick DiPaolo uh, is passionate on the, on the right wing side of it. Um, no, I wouldn't have anybody. Ask, I would have you, Craig Johnson, ask the question. I would have Ken Harris ask the question. I'd have, well, call man. He's, he don't belong here. <laughs> he's, a, he's a foreigner. We don't get him to ask questions. I'd have the American people ask the president, uh, the presidential candidates questions. You, the, and so what I'm trying to take out of it is anybody with an agenda. Now, Obviously, American people have an agenda, but they their questions are going to be more about what the working people of America want rather than what corporate America wants to put on the agenda and make important in people's lives, if that makes sense. So, I, you know, I love having Andy. Andy's welcome anytime. <laughs> Nick DiPaolo, I don't know. I'd be a little, uh, I don't think him and I would get along at all. I don't. I can't imagine because I. He's such a passionate right winger, uh, and and a, a, you know, far right wing guy. Now I don't know what how that happens to you where you just become an extremist. 
I could see having right leanings, left leanings, but when you become extremely to that point where, uh, you know, you buy into every fucking conspiracy theory and every uh, and every talking point that your chosen side feeds you, that's why I think Nick DiPaolo is in that. I mean, I've seen him just spouting the right wing talking points. Uh, Andy would run into the problem. <laughs> the moderator is supposed to be the story. Exactly. I think you you're absolutely are right on Chad Hansen about that. Put that comment up there for everybody to see. Now, a- Andy would uh, derail the program, make it funny, make it uh, pointed, uh, and um, you're right. He would make it about him because people would be talking. The next day, people would be talking about the guy who asked the questions rather than the answer to the question, without a doubt. So uh, as much as I love Andy, no, I'm going to have to say no to that <laughs> like like it's really gonna happen anyway to craig's suggestion i'm gonna have to um veto that one and say uh do you love the portales clovis area now um what i posted was main street on portales on a saturday night. he took the picture at 7 30 on a saturday night in july might have even been like right around fourth of july dead Absolutely dead ghost town. Not a car in sight. Not a not a person in sight on the street. Um, Clovis is a nice little town. Nice little city. I bought my first uh, real professional guitar in Clovis, New Mexico. Poor Picker's Palace. And it was right below uh, Norman Petty's studio. Norman Petty is the guy responsible for Buddy Holly's career. Linda Ronsat. A um, couple of other uh, people who you, you would know over the years. He was also a um, a songwriter, pian- pianist himself, and recording artist, but uh, he was a thief, a fucking thief. Um, I know he's put his name on a lot of the copyrights and publishing for people he worked with, especially the Buddy Holly stuff. He ripped Buddy Holly off pretty bad. Um, was he responsible for Leon Rhymes? Really? Norman Petty? I wonder who he robbed. <laughs> and how she felt for that because I think I thought she was pretty um, uh, savvy, business savvy in the music business. So that's a surprise to me. But I don't remember her doing covering a lot any uh, songs that Norman Petty had the stolen the, the rights to, <laughs> which is why that's a big surprise to me. Uh, now, Leanne Rhymes and Trisha Yearwood, I get them mixed up. Which is the one that's actually? Uh, with Garth Brooks right now. Is that Trisha Yearwood or is that Leon Rhymes? I don't know. Um, why I get them mixed up, I think they both had the uh, uh, top 10 song with the same song at the same time. How am I, how am I, I don't want to live without you, one of those, something, one of those songs. Anyway, I'm not sure what they are. But I always thought Leon Rhymes, the word, the name comes to mind. Yeah, Trisha is the one with, with Garth Brooks. So Leon Rhymes is, is the better looking one, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm surprised that Norman Petty was involved. Craig seems to know a lot about this. Story. I didn't figure you for a country guy. Uh, I thought you were a rock guy, a Kip Winger. <laughs> uh, no offense, Craig. You don't get mad at me for that. I love you, man. Um, but yeah, so no, Norman Petty was a was a prick. But Clovis was a great city, and uh, you know, for for us in Portales. 
it was the only place. I mean, there was nothing in Portales. If you wanted to uh, do anything, you'd have to take a trip 30 miles away to Clovis because um, there was really nothing to nothing happening in Portales ever, unless uh, like a national act. It happened a couple of times. Waylon Jennings played the Greyhound Arena. Uh, I remember that one. Uh, but and we'd have concerts on on campus. But I mean, if it, unless something was happening. Uh, um, wait, you, you, uh, you're not, wow, wait, you're not what, a country person or you're not a Kip Winger person? <laughs> I, I was kidding about the Kip Winger thing. The only reason I said that was because you sent me that one video that time, Sexiest 17, and I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just kind of making funny anyway. Uh, how do I live without you? Is the song. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for that. Uh, how do I live? Is this? And they both had the same uh, song on the charts at the same time. I would bet, knowing that what Craig just uh, kind of made me hip to, that Norman Petty was involved with Leon Rob. I would bet that he had some hand in that, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if his name is on that the publishing rights of that. I'm going to see if I can look that up. Well, again, I'm not, a, I can't type and talk at the same time. It would be better if I could to look this up. Uh, how do I live without you? How do you see, I can't talk at the same time as I, uh, I'm released. It says, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. where's the information on it? it says release. Trisha Yearwood gets is the one that comes up, not the Leanne Rhyme one who had the hit first. Um, uh, ba -ba -ba. It looks like Leanne, Ryan, Leanne Rhymes had it, uh, first. Um, oh, look. But I don't. It's not saying who the, the actual write, writer is and who gets the credits on the song. We're married to. Ah, uh, how do I live? Oh, it's a Diane Warren song. Well, that explains uh, a lot why it was two hit. Uh, two people were covering it at the same time. At one point during the eighties uh, and nineties, for a long point, I guess about ten years from like nineteen eighty-eight, I would say to nineteen ninety-eight, Diane Warren was the most prolific and go-to songwriter in the world. I mean, she she was writing for everything and a lot of movies. Yeah, it was uh, uh, featured in the film Con Air. Both versions were released on the same day, May twenty-third, nineteen ninety-seven. Now you got to think there was a lot of competition with these. Do they have the same record company? I wonder. It's just a weird thing. I don't think that's ever happened before, where two people covering the same song at the same time uh, and release it at the same time. Very strange thing. Got to be. I wonder if they hate each other <laughs> because of that. I wouldn't doubt it. A lot of bad blood there. Anyway, if you weren't with me yesterday, I uh, talking about um, what happened Sunday morning here, and we have still not have no resolution to what really happened. I live in a neighborhood that is just kind of really messed up. It's a uh, a neighborhood on the North Shore of Long Island. Now, the North Shore of Long Island, New York, typically is rich people. 
but the community I'm in was poor people for a long time before the rich people came back here and started buying up the land. So we have a lot of mansions next to lower income, lower middle class type housing houses and property and all that stuff. A lot of people, even if you have a very small ranch, you have a big piece of property, a couple of acres, because it's a very rural type of place. But we have rich people living along the side of people not so rich. Very complicated uh, little area here where, where we live. And we have a lot of wild animals, wild deer, wild turkey, wild fox, all of, you know, all lots of different kind of critters around here. Uh, Sunday morning, we were woken up by gunshots. The whole neighborhood, except me, I slept through it. Because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> I sleep through gunshots. What kind of, what, what good are you, man? <laughs> Killing people around here and you're sleeping it off. Uh, that's me. Now, some people said they heard shotguns. Some people said, uh, yeah, we do have wild bulls. Thank you for pointing that one. <laughs> wild bulls and a wild cow. Uh they they got the bull back. They never got the cow back. Uh, so uh, we the people had said they heard shotguns. Some people thought they heard rifle fire. Some people said it sounded like an automatic rifle. My wife said she thought she heard an automatic pistol, uh, and she thought she heard. Now it, there were it started around seven o'clock in the morning. She said she heard seven shots and quick like a automatic pistol like a Glock or something. And then uh, there was silence for about five minutes and she heard one shot. She was thinking murder-suicide. That final shot was the guy. He had already killed his old family and he was just like having a final drink and kissing his ass goodbye before that final shot. Um, and other people would just say, well, it was people hunting ducks from out on the water, somebody took a picture of a boat that was way out on the sound. I was like, no, we, you wouldn't hear a shot that clear uh, from, you know, they were two miles out on the sound. Uh, you'd have to have a pretty loud gun. And I know the water helps sound carry, but not, you wouldn't hear it as clear as people were claiming to hear a sound. Uh, and then somebody said, well, wild, <laughs> wild, uh, I'm saying, sorry, uh, deer and uh, turkey season, wild turkey. Yeah. Uh, started two days before that, and they were hunting. You don't hunt in a residential neighborhood. Uh, I believe it's illegal to fire a rifle anywhere on Long Island, much less in a residential neighborhood. Now, we have white-tailed deer running through here every time. Tonight, if you really wanted to be a deer hunter, I don't think you'd even need to show, uh, fire a rifle or, or any kind of gun. You go out there with a bat, just wait for them to come through. And as they're coming through, just, you know, Louisville slugger, give it an old, uh, I'm swinging for the fences swing and just put one down. Because uh, they run past you all the time. They run uh, balloon, <laughs> balloon porn up. Oh, I got to see for Greg's uh, posting my daily balloon porn fix. Let me see. I'm not seeing it. I'm going to have to go to Craig's Twitter page to see it. Anyway, uh, we don't know what happened. We No no reports of a, a murder homicide in the neighborhood, but uh, you never know. 
could could happen. We're waiting for the next. Oh, telephone lines, though. See, this is where it gets tricky for me, Craig. I'm looking at your balloon pick here. Uh, I'm seeing now. It looks like they're. Looks like this is a coordinated balloon thing because they all look similar today. I'm going to show you a picture if I can, if that's okay. Uh, even if it's not okay, by the time you say no, I will probably have already shown it. Uh, let's see here. Um, how do I share Craig's picture here? I go here and I go here, Chrome tab, Craig Johnson's. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. Now, these balloons all look very similar in design. And so it looks like it's almost like a coordinated thing. The wires get me scared, though. See, that's what that's where I would really be nervous. Um, obviously, that brick wall is very close and taking up a lot of the focus away from those balloons. Um, we got it on autofocus, I guess. But it just seems to me like this is this is a these people in just all decide to go up at the same time randomly with balloons that happen to look very similar. This looks like a branded thing almost, and I can't see the brand on there. Uh, Got to be pretty fucking cold up there, though, today, right? I mean, really. Um, anyway, those are the balloons. Thanks for, thanks for, for showing those. Um, what, what song are we talking about? Yo, that song bores a hole. What is Kelly talking about now? Ew. You're talking about how, how to live. Uh, how do I live without you? Did Michael, uh, what's his name, Michael Bolton, cover that as well? Uh, <laughs> Ansel Adams. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out the branding on those balloons, and is, is that a, like some kind of marketing thing? Because they look like a a concerted branding effort marketing effort to all go up looking like they're part of the same team or something in some way uh and it looked like there was a standardized design on those balloons so that says to me it's like probably a concerted marketing effort anyway that's what we've been talking about today i've been rambling for almost two hours again pointlessly going from one subject to the other i appreciate you all spending the morning with me though as I mentioned earlier, if you didn't catch it, I think we're getting uh, a lot of views on different platforms for this morning show, which is encouraging to me. A lot of people are enjoying it, get a lot of really positive emails about it, but not a lot of people joining in real time. See, we have uh, in all 30 platforms where we are, we have about 22 people on right now. Not a lot of people. For, for this, considering the number of people that are uh, coming on the program. Carl, you should uh, join the program again. You, uh, you're in high demand. Thank you for, for coming here this morning. Appreciate you, you uh, spending some time with us. Uh, people do want to hear from you again, so please come back on the podcast whenever it's convenient for you. And please, if you're ever so inclined, phone lines are open for this if you're around. I know this isn't morning for you, uh, but if you'd like to call in, uh, People would love to hear from you. They want to hear what's going on in the other side of the world and uh, the other side of the world, uh, across the pond, so the other side of the world. And get Jamie to come with you on the, on the, on the podcast, too. Uh, let's do a, 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 a three-way. You, me, and Jamie. Three-way, okay? Anyway. Uh, what what is Kelly saying about being the biggest 
Bolton fan? Well, me, myself, being made from the biggest Bolton fan, I don't think so. My mother was a fanatic. Really? Am I, were you familiar with Michael Bolton before he became the, uh, what is that genre? The romance ballad type guy, power ballad guy. He was a heavy metal guy for a very short period of time. Uh, I'm not sure if he was a guitar player, too, like a one of the original shredders. Um, see this? Here's your fan club, Carl, right here. <laughs> Carl is the man. <laughs> anyway. How do I take that out of there? Uh, Michael Bolton. Yeah, I think he, he, I'm not sure about this, but I think he was a guitar player before he was the singer, but I'm one of the original shredders. But I know he did have a very short-lived uh, career in the metal genre, hair metal, 80s hair metal, remember that crap, uh, before going on to becoming this power ballad guy. I don't know whatever happened to him. It, it just kind of... I guess people got tired of him. It always surprises me, you know, people just disappear in entertainment sometimes. They have their moment, and then they, because if you, if you get that bigger star, like I look at the Rolling Stones as normal to me in the in the fact that they never went away. They just kept doing it. But you see people who just... <laughs> Michael Bolton was the Gary Bucket of his time. Why did he sing a lot about a lot of uh, young girls? Uh, and was he uh, young girl? Get it? What was the other uh, Gary Bucket song that was? He had young girl and the uh, another one that was about like inappropriate relationships with young girls. Um, I don't know. Was Gary Bucket? He was never a metal guy, right? And he wasn't like. He wasn't a big power ballad guy, was he? I don't know. He was a pop guy. But his pop guy was definitely, uh, his pop thing was definitely songs about young women. But, you know, times were different then. People wrote about, you uh, You come on like a dream, peaches and cream, looks like strawberry wine. You're 16. You're beautiful in your mind. Oh, my God. You uh, who was the other guy, the um, rock and roll part to Gary Glitter? He was a pedophile. <laughs> Bolton Metal was awesome, really? I got I to gotta look that up. Michael Bolton Metal. Let's look that up really quick. Michael Bolton Metal. <laughs> Google says, what? Uh, everybody's crazy on YouTube. Let's watch this, folks. Uh, let's see if I, uh, we'll we'll share this and see if we can check out what a little bit of Michael Bolton metal was. I'm not going to play the whole thing. We'll just kind of oh, don't give me ads. You're going to give me ads. I'm going to. Is this my gift? Yeah, you fucking ad. I miss my running buddy. Get ready. Yeah, skip you, fucking. Michael, are you crazy? I can't believe what you're wearing, what you look like. In high school, you look so normal. I thought you were going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something normal like that. Normal, huh? Normal is something people are until you get to know them. Everybody's crazy. 
Well, he's not a guitar player. We... Everybody's crazy. Everybody's crazy. Get to the hook. enough of that <laughs> everybody's fucking crazy uh well let's let's get some comments on that i'll tell you my take on it uh sounded like he was trying to be acdc at the moment now we the video production uh on that was significantly uh better than the video production on that waitress's video and i'm thinking it's right around the same time because this is before michael bolton uh became the power ballad guy which was later in the 80s so this is that that had to be pretty early 80s and the video production quality is definitely um upscaled from from that waitress's video but tremendously i mean it's like night and day one looks like it was a was produced on betamax or uh cheap vhs camera and the other one looks like a, a you know I don't want to say digital video, but state-of-the-art, umatic for the time, umatic three-quarter-inch uh, video production. Um, but music-wise, sounded like he was trying to be ACDC. Uh, drummer looked like he was ready for a quiet riot. <laughs> and the video seemed to make no fucking sense at all. I mean, everybody's crazy, but uh, there didn't seem to be anything. The song was 1985. Thank you for that, Ken Harris. It's good to have researchers uh, at my ready helping <laughs> me out with the stuff. 85. So it's four years difference from that waitress's video, I guess. Yeah, I guess the technology improved that much that quickly. Uh, no, you're right. You can't deny his vocal ability. His vocal ability was always good. And, you know, he was a talented singer with a great, powerful voice. No doubt about it. Um the material, I don't think that would. First of all, that song uh, didn't get to the hook, didn't get to the hook of the song till a minute and 51 seconds in. That would never make it on pop radio today. Not a chance. You got to get to the hook with 30 seconds in, tops. Took a minute and 51 seconds for him to get to the hook. It's a long time. And so 
the attention span has definitely decreased a lot since 1985. Um, and so I don't think that would be, I don't I'm doubt it was a hit then. I don't, I, I don't remember this song. Everybody's crazy. Uh, I'm surprised that it was 85 though. Cause that I thought by 85 Bolton was already established as the, uh, uh, how do I put it? The not a teen idol, the housewife idol, I guess. The the uh, the guy that caused a lot of fingers on a lot of ladies to go south. <laughs> a lot of women playing with themselves. So Michael Bandit, Michael Bolton. I see the spandex stuff. Uh, <laughs> see, even Craig, even Craig is going to need a minute to cool off with that. Craig was. Uh, one of the guys who just played Michael's uh, Bolton's videos and then had to go rub one out. He was just so fucking sexy. <laughs> uh, I hope. Uh, I hope it was satisfying. Was it good for you? Did you? And at least in those days, you could light a cigarette without having to go outside. I don't know. Um. So tomorrow. We're getting close, uh, wrapping it up here. We've got 20, 19 minutes left to hang with you folks. Tomorrow, Michael Hilliard's going to be with me for the first hour. Uh, and we'll be talking about the Civil War in Ethiopia. And then we'll see if we can talk get him talking about domestic U.S. politics a little bit. That's not really his uh, thing. He's basically a world uh, world events type of guy, world news kind of guy. and But from a really, really... Uh, independent perspective, which is what I respect about him most, because interviewed Michael several times now. Still don't know if he's a liberal or conservative, uh, or what his leanings are, and I have tried every trick in the book to trip him up and to expose his bias, and he hasn't. He hasn't taken the bait ever. You got to appreciate that's what journalism is about. If you got uh, somebody giving you news and you can't tell if they're uh, See, <laughs> yep, this is very important. It's not, it, it, you, you kind of, I, I kind of sense that you're joking a little bit about this, a little, but, Chad, but it's a, a real, uh, I know that last week you mentioned Ethiopia, uh, Ethiopian blend or something was your coffee. Uh, but there are some real concerns about, I mean, it's not just coffee. It's, you know, I believe a lot of cocoa, a lot vital products being produced in Ethiopia, not, you know, you think cocoa leaf, uh, cocoa is not a vital product, but it is. I mean, for a lot of people, it's like taking the drug away. There's a lot of reasons why Ethiopia is an important country, and I'm not the one to be uh, talking about that. That's why I'm having Michael on tomorrow. He'll talk about it. But I do think it's a, a genuine concern that uh, what's going on over there and how it might um, – um, affect the rest of the world. Kelly calling Michael Bolton Timberlake with a with a skullet. Is that what they call that haircut? A skullet? It's like a mullet that covers your whole skull. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, 40, 40 year old woman craze. Yeah, that's kind of not teen idol. I wouldn't say quite forties. I would say up to forties. But there were women in their twenties who were gaga and wet over him. And you know, Craig when he had to. Uh, go rub one out over Michael Bolton. He was in his 20s, too, I think, probably when that video came out, or even less than that. Craig's still a very young man. 
Bald on top, party on the back. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, yeah. That cracks me up when bald guys still have long hair. Uh, and you see a lot of that. <laughs> long hair, but bald on top. Man, is that a silly look? It kind of reminds me of Bozo the Clown. You know, Paulie Walnuts with those white wings when they went out this way. Kind of Bozo the Clown, too. Um, you know... <laughs> I had that naturally going on when I was young. When I started to go bald, I still had the hair on the sides. And I decided it just, it wasn't serving anything. I mean, you can't do a comb over because <laughs> then you're like Don Rickles. Uh, <laughs> and so, and the, the hair on the sides just isn't serving anything. So you're better off to lose it all together. Uh, and so... Oh, Craig says he's old as fuck, even older than Ken. Well, older than Ken even. Ken's not that old. Ken, Ken uh, ready to, uh, I, I noticed the other day, and I hope I'm not sharing stuff, uh, tales out of school here. Uh, Ken, I believe, is 55. I think he said that. And now uh, I made a document or started and never finished the documentary, Mind Dog Movie, based on the fact that... Uh, I thought 54 was my number my whole life. And the reason, my, my brother felt that way too. And the reason we believe, we were cursed with the number 54 because my father was one of 17 children. 17 children. 14 of which were boys. So 14 brothers. And every one of those brothers died at 54. His father also died at 54, my grandfather. Uh, so uh, we were... 55.5 that's a nice number uh that, so that's not all to me i would you know that uh, for i guess from my perspective and i'm not that much older but uh 55 was a good year for me i i, I bench pressed 406 pounds on my 55th birthday which was uh a record for me but reaching my 55th birthday was as i was just saying a milestone for me. Never thought I would make it to 55. Uh, so I was producing this documentary on this idea that 54 was my number. I was sure I was going to die at 54. So I wanted to get everything, everything on my bucket list done uh, before I was 55 because I didn't think I would make it to 55. So I was doing a lot of stuff, man. Uh, people uh, were challenging me with stuff. And I was trying to do a, a complete documentary about it. But uh, it's hard to do these things on your own. And my cameraman moved away at the time. And so never got finished. I still have all that footage. We we never finished the movie. I, and by, by now it doesn't, it seems pointless because I obviously passed 55. And so the whole premise of the movie that I would be dead by uh 55 or wouldn't make it to 55 is shot so now what do i do with that movie i never finish it one of those things that goes in the unfinished pile great experience shooting it and stuff and the stuff people were challenging me to do I'm run with the bulls in pamplona i did not do that but that was on that was on the schedule we were going to try and do that <laughs> probably would have got killed there and fulfilled um fulfilled the prophecy but Live past 55, and now here I am. But again, 55, I it was a good time for me physically. Ben pressed 406 pounds on my 55th birthday. That's a, that's still in shape, still strong enough to do things. Could I do that today? 
not a chance. Uh, even if I, six months from now, if I train for it, I wouldn't get close to that. Probably uh, wouldn't get wouldn't come within a hundred pounds of that. Even if I started training today and six months from now, go to do it, wouldn't come with, within a hundred pounds of that. So fifty five is a good time, man. It's enjoy that time. That's a that's a really really good time. Really good time to be alive. You still have a have a lot of life left in you at fifty five. I know I did, and I felt like I still had a lot of purpose. Uh, and I certainly, I certainly didn't see that I would be retired uh, early when I was fifty five. Now I know you are Ken. I'm speaking to Ken Harris now, uh, who's in the chat room. Uh, chose early retirement that young. To me. Man, what what could I have accomplished if I would have just given up the rat race at fifty five instead of waiting until I got into my sixties to do it? I think I probably could have accomplished a lot. A lot of people don't realize that when it comes to podcasting, <laughs> um, well, people don't realize this. People, how would they? Uh, I was one of the first people doing it. I mean, back in the day, I started my first podcast when the technology RSS uh, first came around in 1998, I was doing an RSS feed of an audio feed, which is what podcasting is, doing that in 1998 uh, and started uh, doing live streaming, this kind of stuff, early 2000s. We wasn't using YouTube. We were using dedicated streaming services, Akamai and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, around the time Rogan launched his, I launched mine on Ustream too, uh, which is where Rogan started his podcast was just on Ustream, which is not defunct now, didn't make it. They were going to be a competitor to YouTube. Uh, for whatever reason, that platform didn't carry, uh, didn't make it, but it was, it was a good platform. It was reliable. Uh, and, you know, effective. I don't know why. Maybe somebody bought them out or something. Can't uh, saying, yeah, he got out at 53.5. If I would have, I like the points. At <laughs> 53.5. Uh, that's, so, you know what? Um, Craig is saying, Ken is a talent. I hope somebody makes, uh, somebody smart, smart makes the Rockfish a show. Um, Here's the deal with that. I agree. Ken is a very talented writer, and uh, I think there is uh, potential there for so the way um, Hollywood works now, the way production companies work now. You got to make it easy for them. So he's got the book needs to be in screenplay format because they're gonna nobody nobody wants to take a book and adapt the screenplay for them. So that's the work on their part. Uh, so the best way to do it. Nah, fuck sock puppets. <laughs> it says I may do that with sock puppets. Uh, no, no, you can do it the right way. You can get, because uh, I, I don't know if you, you probably weren't uh, hip to my uh, podcast back when I had a lot of filmmakers on, but there are a ton of independent filmmakers who might be interested in, in working with you on something. But again, the point I was making is they don't want to do it from a book they want the they want the screenplay and you being the kind of guy you are i that i uh, at least that 
I don't know that much about you, but I know you're uh, you're up and writing every day and committed to it. Wouldn't be hard for you to adapt that thing to a screenplay. The book that you just wrote. The uh, let's do I have the the book I can bring up here while we're talking about it. Brand within brand, I gotta have it. There it is. The Pine Barren Stratagem uh, is available now. You can find just look up Pine Barren Stratagem. I don't have the link ready, but uh, just go to uh, just put that in in Google and you can pre-order it now on Amazon and the audio version is available. Uh, but uh, to adapt this to a screenplay, look at me, I'm hiding behind. Look, oh, the book has arms. Um, very simple. I mean, there's a freeware out there. I know you're a Mac guy. I happen to know you're a Mac guy. <laughs> there's uh, free software on in the app store. I think it's called Final Draft. I don't remember. But it's screenplay software. Basically, you, you can it will help you automate this process of getting that book turned into a screenplay where you could pitch it to independent filmmakers or just even put it out there on some of the sites that, uh, that it's available for independent filmmakers. And you'll get a lot of interest in it. I'm certain that. So I'm just trying to be helpful here and, and put out ideas where if you're really serious about seeing that done, Here's the thing. I ask every author I interview, and you guys know I do. I interview a lot of authors about the possibility of having their book made into uh, a film or or some kind of video treatment. And all of them uh, will kind of dance around and say, oh, yeah, of course, but it's kind of a pipe dream. It's not really a pipe dream. There's a ton of independent filmmakers out there who are um, not writers. And, um, yeah, uh, can't say anything. Use a Scrivener, Scrivener, I don't get, and they have a screenplay template. Uh, good stuff. Well, get that screenplay out there. And uh, well, the point I was just making, there's a ton of independent filmmakers out there now who are not writers, who are looking for content. And the old, you know, thing about, there used to be just, you know, talking like an old man it used to be a, a time when we only had three t television channels now there are like 1500 television networks out there and they're all starving for content starving for good ideas so much so that uh but they're lazy but they're so starved for content ideas that they will try to rehash old ideas every way they can this shows that how starved they are for for new content and good stuff uh uh, Craig Johnson saying, get the book on Audible today. That's the best place to get it. I, I forgot about that. I said Amazon. But uh, I think Audible and Amazon kind of hook together, or am I wrong about that? When you buy um, the audio book on Amazon, isn't it from Audible? Hit, hit me to that. I thought it was. Anyway, got to get you on, uh, and they haven't sponsored in a while, but audiobooksnow.com, I could get you on there. <laughs> they were, are, are, will continue to be a sponsor in good standing on this program. I just haven't used them. I haven't featured them in a while. They will be sponsoring the uh, podcast stuff. Uh, but so, yeah, so get it on Audible uh, today. It's available on Audible, and I believe can tell me about this when it's actually coming out the, the uh paperback uh book i think will be out i'm gonna say january if i'm wrong correct me on that um can't move to within 500 feet of the front gate of netflix na i'll so 
Well, um, I got to go out and visit uh, Craig and and try to crash the Netflix gates. Uh, the Netflix stuff uh, is interesting. It's I've heard from a um, producer I had on last week, a producer of many documentaries who was using Amazon Prime as his main distribution source for his films, that Amazon uh, had put a... Uh, a hold on on uh, on taking independent films f- for a while. Now I don't know if that that's absolutely true, but that's what I was told. Now that that's kind of um, uh, interesting that Amazon Prime is not taking submissions from independent filmmakers anymore because that makes it really difficult for um, comedians who are releasing specials like at the speed of sound right now to get this stuff on there uh ken says uh paperback comes out 127 22 that's uh a couple of months away and then the sequel drops oh july 14th uh we'll 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 get you back on the show you know we should get you should come back on on the podcast uh january 26th (laughs) 22 or thereabouts uh, to kind of let people know about it and kind of help push it again and ho- hopefully get some interest in it that way. Um, the other one in July, uh, I think, no, you know, it's way too early to try to let people know about that. Nobody's going to plan on books they're buying in July, uh, in November. <laughs> but we will, we'll, we'll, you know, you're invited to come back when that one comes out too. But first, make sure you do come back uh, in January right before the book comes out. Don't say that, Ken. I got nothing going on. You'll be planning for the Super Bowl, won't you? Uh, because uh, your team will be in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. Virtual book signing. You know, how does that work? How would that work, a virtual book signing? Because uh, I had talked to people because I know, you know, again, the, the amount of authors I interview, uh Book signings used to be a big thing, uh, and it, it was an event thing that people actually uh, who support authors were they got juiced about going to a book signing. And so I thought about how would uh, a virtual book signing actually work? There's got to be a way to make it work. I don't know how it is, how that would be, uh, but it would it would be pretty cool to figure it out, right? Because I think people are missing that in the and I don't see why we, we can go back right now in some areas of the country, in most areas of the country, to doing actual physical book signings. Um, but that's that. Anyway, we're coming up on the um, end of the show here. Uh, yeah, like a Zoom or, uh, yeah, we could do that. We'll try that that night. We're thinking of like this, like a Zoom and Venmo me and watch, it toss, watch me toss it into an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and put it on the scale and get the postage and give it to the dog, and the dog will run away and put it in the mail right away. Uh, buy it over a link on the show. Boom, Ken signs that. Yeah, we could do that. We could try to work out something for this. We should uh, really kind of nail down the details and try to figure this out and see if we can't promote it as a virtual book signing. That would be a very cool thing to be the very first people to actually do that teabag the copy says <laughs> you're right it can be done it definitely can be done i think we uh put our heads together 
Wow. How's that shine? You like that shine? Wow. That's some shine he's got going on there. Anyway, I got four seconds uh, to end the program. Not that I have to, but I'm going to. Appreciate everybody being here. Be with me tomorrow, please. Uh, Michael Hilbram will be talking about Ethiopia. I appreciate everybody stopping by today, keeping me company, so that I could talk for two hours about bullshit that whatever comes to my mind. I appreciate everybody's uh, patience and uh, contribution to uh, the, the conversation, as it were. And uh, until tomorrow, I guess. Uh, thanks for coming. Bye for now. With turn on your radio, folks. Yeah, turn on
Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.